0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast, a proud member of the Heavy Hockey Network. I'm Devin Davidson, your host with me, as always, Bruce Gunther. Hello. Joining us tonight, Tyler Holman. Hi. Hey, buddy. Good to see (laughs) you. And uh, tonight we're doing episode 119, Central Division Fantasy Preview Part 2. We've got a special guest tonight, Jason Chen, the hockey news fantasy writer, editor, and site manager. Uh, Jason, thanks a lot for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to meet you guys. Yeah, you as well. Um, so I, we, you and I were talking a bit before the other guys got on here. Um, maybe, you know, just for our listeners, I always like to give them sort of a sense of, of who you are and what you do. And so maybe just tell us, like, how long have you been into fantasy and how did you get started with the hockey news?
1: Uh, so fantasy hockey, I've been doing it for so long. I think I started in, like, grade school, around grade 7 or 8. It's so so far back, it was a little murky. I do remember not having fantasy hockey during the lockout years, and that was pretty painful. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, Yeah, the hockey news, I actually started as an intern there, uh, summer of 2012. Um, I didn't end up pursuing a career in journalism, but a couple of the guys who used to work there and I kept in touch. About two years ago, they reached out to me because they were looking for someone to provide some fantasy contact. I happily said yes. I was happy that they asked. And now they've launched all these new team sites. Uh, you can check them out if you want. It's great. We've got some really great writers. Uh, the new fantasy site just launched about two weeks ago, August 2nd. And I'm looking forward to providing some content that's hopefully interesting and, and <laughs> helpful to everyone to help you win your fantasy league. And that's where we are today.
0: I, you know what? There's lots of great content there so far. And, and that's, is that all content
1: produced by yourself? Yes, so far. Okay. So in the future, uh, we're always looking to look for people to collaborate with. So thanks for having me on the show. Uh, we just launched, so we're just trying to get in the groove of things and and waiting for the season to start. Nice. Yeah. I, I like I said, I've checked it out already. I like the content.
0: Uh, your recent one, I think, was just some uh, some analysis on ADP and where to find value
1: on on certain players. Uh, I thought, yeah. So yeah, Yahoo uh, just opened their fantasy leagues. And it's always funny to see in the beginning of the season because the rankings are all kind of out of whack. (laughs) And I just was looking through the players and I saw some rankings that just kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit. I'm sure that'll get fixed soon. But um, there's always players that you always find that are ranked at the bottom for whatever reason. And those are the players that people who auto-draft or managers who don't do their homework tend to overlook. And those are the value picks that you should be able to get in the middle to late rounds. Yeah. And we're looking at some players like Max Patch already, Sean Couturier, who are ranked like outside the top 750. And these guys are, you know, potentially top line, top six players that could really, really be helpful. Yeah, 100%. Actually,
0: in our draft, was that last year, Bruce? we had one guy draft Alec Martinez in the first round just because he...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we allowed to make fun of this person or well, not?
0: Well, I, I don't know him personally, so I don't want to rip on him okay. too bad. But but it was one of those things, like he didn't set his rankings. He didn't show up for the draft. Right. He just did an auto-draft. Um, yeah. But we all laughed. It was it was crazy that ESPN had Alec Martinez ranked as a as a top round or first round defense player. Like it was nuts.
1: Yeah. You, you always get some weird ones like that. I don't really know how they do their projections or rankings, but there's always odd ones. And those are the ones that are good to mine for value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we move along here,
0: I just want to like, where can our fans or listeners find you uh, on on social media and what is the
1: URL for the, the fantasy site? Oh yeah, good question. So the URL is www.thehockeynews.com slash NHL slash fantasy or thn.com slash NHL slash fantasy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, at JasonChen16. Um, feel free to follow, tweet at me. Hate comments are okay if they're you know not so hateful. <laughs> constructive, maybe. Constructive comments. Yeah, constructive. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. Uh, before we get into the preview, the, the divisional preview here, I just want to mention this episode is brought to you by Flaviar. Refine your palate with spirits from around the world. Sample and train your palate with curated tasting sets, buy bottles at a discount, and curate your home bar. Socialize and learn together with other members. Visit Flaviar.com slash FHH today to save 10% when you sign up for a subscription available to our listeners in the United States, United Kingdom, and European Union. And with that, let's get into it, boys. Uh, As we do each off-season, we are going to assess each division and team based on the results from the previous season, as well as any changes that were made as a result of the NHL entry draft and free agency. So who improved, who declined, who remained largely the same? Team statistics, schedule notes, additions, departures, and projections for fantasy-relevant players next season. And kicking it off tonight, the Minnesota Wild, who were 46, 25, and 11. They were third in the Central last year. 2.91 goals for per game was 23rd. Goals against at 2.67 was sixth. Corsi 4, 49.87, was 18th middle of the road. And special teams, they were 15th on the power play at 21.43%, and 10th on the penalty kill at 82%. They've got 15 back-to-back sets this season, tied for second most with Washington. 39% of their games are played on light days, tied for the fifth most among all teams in 2023-2024. Key additions were Pat Maroon, if you want to call that a key addition, I guess. Uh, key departures. I was going to say, they,
2: they, uh, they signed Maroon, and I don't know if I'd call that a key addition. <laughs> that's, that's like, it means they're going to win the cup. Yeah. <laughs> it could de- definitely, right? The
0: a very valid Pat Maroon's
2: point. the sign, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, Key departures, Gustav, Nyquist, Sam Steele, Ryan Reeves, and Matt Dumba. So I guess the the first question we always ask here, Jason, when we do these divisional previews,
1: did this team improve, uh, decline, or remain largely the same? Um, This is a tough one just right off the bat, but I'd say yes, they slightly improved, if only because I think Joel Eriksson and Matt Boldy and some of their younger players are going to make the team better. I don't think they lost a lot of key players in free agency. I think a lot of the players they lost, they could probably replace internally. The only exception being Matt Dumba. But I think Matt Dumba in from a fantasy perspective has kind of declined in, in fantasy value over the past few years. He just hasn't put up the same number of points as he used in the past.
0: Yeah. He's really fallen off a cliff. Actually. We, I just looked at him. I think it was in that episode with Stephen Ellis, you had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago and His power play time went down to nothing. I think it was 4% power play share last year. Mm -hmm. Um, He's more in that kind of a, you know, three to five goal and 30 point range is what we've seen the last couple of years from him. If that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's at the high end, right? I think he's one of those guys who's much better at real life hockey than fantasy hockey. Yeah. And I mean, really no discount on the contract either. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay. So in terms of fantasy then, I mean, I, let's maybe just talk quickly. You mentioned Matt Boldy. Let's talk about him. Um, his average ADP last year one twenty five point five. Bruce, I know you love this player. Points prediction: thirty three goals and seventy nine points for him. Uh, looking at him last year, it was, was kind of this was a, a common thread or a common theme with the entire Minnesota Wild last year. But just you know, they were regressing a little bit because the year prior in two thousand twenty one two thousand twenty two, the team had a I think they were second in the NHL in team even strength shooting percentage, um, so they, they had a lot of puck, puck luck on their side. Everyone sort of regressed last year. Uh, Boldy specifically was down everywhere except for his individual points percentage. Um, but he, he's a play driver, and he's, he's actually he had a, a big season last year. Uh, 63 points and 31 goals in 81 games. Shot volume looked great, 3.1 shots on goal per game or 10.2 shots on goal per 60. That put him just outside the top 50 league wide um, in terms of shots on goal per 60 behind... Um, Alex Dabrinkit, Miko Rantanen, Kyle Connor, and Jared McCann. So like, he's in good company there in terms of shot volume. Do you like the projection for next year? How do you see Boldy doing?
1: I do like it. I'd actually take the over if you're uh, a betting guy. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that second line progresses because they have uh, Kirill Kaprizov on the top line and the ageless wonder, Matt Zuccarello, who I (laughs) feel like is supposed to drop off at any point now. But the future is Joel Eriksson and Matt Boldy. And I think having Marcus Johansson there, um, who scored 18 points in the last 20 games of the Wild last season, I think that's going to help. I think Matt Boldy not having to you know, drag some players like Frederick Goudreau around, um, that should help his production. I just think he's going to be really a lot better, especially with the shot volume he's getting. I see that going up. If Kareel uh, Kaprizov um, gets injured again or misses time, that's the Minnesota Wild's go-to guy.
0: Yep. Bruce is nodding in approval. Yeah, licking his chops. Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
1: uh, you mentioned <laughs> and and sorry, yeah, sorry. He's at he's kind of at the point where like he's gonna break out, right? He's got a lot of experience under his belt. He's already tasted that success, and everyone knows how good he is. It's just a matter of can he put the puck in the net consistently enough?
0: Well, and like you said too, not having boat anchors on his line makes a big difference. So <laughs> <Well>. yeah,
1: <laughs> no,
2: no, no well, F- offense. So
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean like great role players, but I mean, just not the high end talent guys. You want to bring out the best and boldy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned Matt Zuccarello. So
0: Taken on average last year at 114.5. We've got him here for 24 goals and 76 points. And and you nailed it on the head there. At age 35, you sort of expect some age-related decline to kick in at some point, right? I just, is it going to be this next season? Because again, just that team even strength shooting percentage, um, I think they were the fourth lowest. Anyway, they're they're down big time. And so that, that hit Zuccarello, like everybody else, pretty hard. Uh, He had just 67 points in 78 games last year after he played at a 93-point pace the season prior. So was it all puck luck,
1: or is there some age-related decline happening in Matt Zuccarello's game? It's interesting because not many players average a career high in ice time at age 35, which he did, right? Yeah. And I think the one thing that helped him was the shot volume. He shot a little higher than he normally does, and I think Mm -hmm. part of it was because Kaprizov was out of the lineup for a bit. But I kind of like the projection. He's always the guy you can get late in the rounds, and he just somehow exceeds all expectations. But with the age thing, it's like catching a falling knife. Like, when are you going to cut yourself with this guy? (laughs) So if you're in a league and it's late and you're running out of choices, I still think Zuccarello's a a good choice. Um, it's just not often you see something like this. It, it seems like he's almost like a unicorn when he's so effective at this age. And it's not like it's impossible, but I think a lot of it depends on his shooting volume, time on ice, and Kirill Kaprizov.
0: Yeah, and it looks like he's yeah. going to be strapped to K- Kaprizov's hip, right? Like, yeah. even strengthened on the power play. He's, is he going to get 80% power play share again this year?
1: Well, If, if he sticks with Kaprizov, I, it's possible. Um, but I think you know, I still think 50, 60 points is at the higher end. If you can get that out of Zuccarella, I think that's a good result. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so we mentioned him a couple of times, Kirill Kaprizov. This is another player. You'd think Bruce is a Minnesota wild fan just by the number of players he loves on this team, but. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> His team must've had trouble scoring too. Then yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Kaprizov. So, I mean, I've got him coming to 47 goals and a hundred points for next year. Um, again, he regressed a bit last year, 75 points, 40 goals in just 67 games played. And that still projects to 92 points in a full season. Uh, but that's obviously a pretty significant dip from the 108 points he put up the year prior. So, uh, do you see a, a bit of a bounce back for Kaprizov if healthy, uh, and, and kind of where are you taking him?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think a hundred points is probably a, a, a good number to, to, uh, come in for a Kaprizov. He's definitely one of the league's best wingers. Uh, definitely a top five left winger, in my opinion. Um, it'll be interesting to see he who he plays with. So when he had a really great season, Zuccarell and Hartman and him were basically inseparable. Last year, played a lot of minutes with Sam Steele, and anytime you play with Sam Steele, they'll probably drag your production down. So <laughs> I think if Hartman's there uh, and Kaprizov is healthy, 100 points I think is, is very reasonable, and I wouldn't be surprised if he um, went over 100 points. Uh, totally fair and, and I mean I always like to look at the luck metrics right we talk about
0: that a lot here um his team's even strength shooting percentage was a career low and and so too is the individual shooting percentage mm-hmm. and he still has elite shot volume right he's over 11 shots on yeah. goal per 60. Uh, it was interesting that his secondary assist rate per 60 was down nearly 40 percent um, so that alone, I mean, he's going to get a couple touches here and there. They're going to bump up his production in terms of secondary assist. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. He could have a hundred plus points fairly easily.
1: Yeah. I think secondary assist is always one of those ones that are a little luck based. And maybe sometimes if you're in your home rink, they, maybe they give you the second assist a little <laughs> more often than they should. Um, yep. but yeah, I, I can see a bounce back for sure. As you said. All right. No question. Um,
0: the other guy I want to talk about Marcus Foligno. Just, just sort of a depth option, but if you're in a banger league, this guy, 265 hits in 65 games played last season, an average of 3.65 hits per game.
1: Yeah, right. incredible.
0: Like that's And that's value you can probably get. Is he going to get drafted? Probably not, right? Like He's probably a guy you pluck off the waiver wire uh, or just stream yeah. at certain points in the season.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is anecdotal, but I do remember, I think there was some sort of study or someone did this... Um, research thing about hits uh, at home versus on the road. And the wild were consistently one of the teams that credited hits to their own players more often than not. And it started with Cal Clutterbuck. Okay. And, (laughs) and not to, not to take anything from Marcus Foligno, like he's a great power forward, Um, but definitely for hits. I think the key for him is how many goals does he score? Like if he's 15 to 20 goals, that's a great banger league player. If he's anything less than that, then I think he's one of those ones where like you get hits, but you sacrifice a lot of other categories to have him on your roster.
0: Well, so I guess the next thing I did want to look at is his shot rate because, um, his individual shooting percentage, because he was, he was at twenty three and a half percent in 2021 yeah, for a season and a half, which is incredible. Yeah. Right? If you, I mean, if you look on certain sites, it was 27% for one season and twenty three and a half for the next. And last year he was just at 8.4%. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what happened, right? I, I'm just trying to like, is he? No, Nobody's really a 23.5% shooter, but like you said, yeah. you do it for a season and a half. I mean, you're doing something right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think on that note, Andre Kuzmenko is a really good, interesting case for that because <laughs> he shot like close to 30% last year. Yep. Um, a lot of it will have to do with um, tips and where he gets those shots. Um, puck luck certainly uh, plays a big role, but I mean, if we're just Going for a broad range between eight to twenty three percent is where he'd probably fall in. So, ten to fifteen goals would be my guess for this upcoming season. I think that's a fair um, prediction.
0: Yeah, I, like I said, four, fourteen goals and forty points is where I've got him, and, and I think that's probably a reasonable expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't talk about Kuzmenko because I've taken plenty of heat over <laughs> <laughs> over my comments. I, I did an article, and uh, there was lots of chatter blowback i'll call it from all the the vancouver fans on on reddit and twitter and stuff Uh, yeah i
1: saw that no we're we're a pretty rowdy bunch you can't (laughs) hate on our players too much the only player you're allowed to hate on is tyler myers so (laughs) (laughs) and and i want to be clear i meant no disrespect to kuzmenko i actually think he's a great
0: player but it's just the numbers are outrageous right if you look at yeah yeah they're insane like yeah anyway um all right Kalen addison uh give it give mm. us your assessment of that player because he's he's pretty much been given all the power play time in Minnesota. Yeah. And he's got twenty four shots on the power play in eighty career NHL games. And he still has yet to score. So I I you like what can you tell
1: me about Kalen Addison? I actually love Kalen Addison. Okay. <laughs> um He's not your typical power play quarterback in that he shoots a lot, but he's definitely good at moving the puck. Right. I, like, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Quinn Hughes where you're not going to get a lot of goals, but you're going to get a lot of power play and assists. And if you have Kaprizov and Zuccarello on your team, you're not going to shoot the puck. right, or, And Boldy, right? Uh, you don't need to. Um, what I like about Addison is first his skill set. I think it's really great. I think he's built to be a modern day power play quarterback. He can skate, he can move the puck. Uh, if you look at his advanced stats, though, um, so last season among defensemen, uh, with among those with at least 200 minutes played on the power play, Addison ranked eighth in shot attempts per 60 minutes and sixth in expected goals for in 60 minutes. So that actually puts him among like the elite power play quarterbacks in the league. Now the thing is, does he get that ice time? Um, We've seen Dean Evison bench him because he probably doesn't like his two-way play. So if you don't like your two-way play, you're not going to be on the ice uh, for very long. Um, Power play time is up and down. And I would almost say that Kalen Addison is a really high-risk, high-reward, late-round draft pick if you want to go for that. I think if he gets a regular role, you can definitely pick him off the waiver wire and just roster him for the rest of your season. The biggest threat I see is Brock Faber, who I think is a better two-way defenseman and might take some ice time away from Addison, but I I like Addison as a power play quarterback and I actually think he might stick there for for the entire season. All
0: right. Uh, I've got him, like I said, six goals and 40 points. Does that seem reasonable? Like, Where do you see
1: him for next year? I think that's reasonable. I think 40 points is reasonable. (laughs)
0: Uh, let's talk about the goaltending here quickly. So Philip Gustafson Mm -hmm. and Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, it's too bad John's not here because he absolutely loves Marc-Andre Fleury, but he's just eight victories shy (laughs) of Patrick Waugh for second place on the NHL's all-time win list. So that's exciting. He's going to pass Waugh this season. Um, I've got this split as 55-45 for next year. Do you
1: see that being the case or something close to that? I think that's close. Like you mentioned how they had 15 back-to-backs this year. So that's going to ensure that they're going to get, you know, their share of the starts. So 55 45 sounds good to me. I wonder because to me, Gustafson's the better goalie right now. Yeah. So I wonder if they're going to make an early season push to get Flurry those eight wins and then maybe go with Gustafsson like middle and then the rest of the season. Um, so that storyline, I guess, doesn't become a distraction mm-hmm. later on if, if Flurry has trouble getting there. I mean, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and makes sense. you probably like, I think. If all goes the way you expect it to, Gustafson's probably your starter in the playoffs. They're just They Yeah, I think so. I mean, the guy's been fantastic. I don't think
1: you should rotate goalies in the playoffs. I, th- I think that's just <laughs> a ridiculous thing to have. I agree. I agree. And Tyler's not shaking his head too. Like I just, you pick one guy and you ride him and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's just the
2: way like it's
1: Like how, how do you get a goalie into rhythm if he's playing once every four nights or whatever it is, right? It doesn't work. Yeah. I think
0: if you look, has there, has there ever been a tandem that's that's won a cup, like or even in recent memory?
1: Uh, I highly doubt it. Like no, no <laughs> one <not>. I can <laughs> I, I can't that, recall right? off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah, I can't recall. There's definitely been backups who've taken over the starting job, but they've they just run away with exactly. It. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I've got 45
0: starts, 26 wins for Gustafson, and 37 starts and 20 wins for Flurry. Does that sound? Like 46 wins for Minnesota next year. Do you kind of see that? Would you take the over or under on that?
1: Uh, slight under? I think that's about right. I wouldn't be surprised if, if 46 is the number they really land on. Um, I just wonder, a question for you guys is, do you guys expect Gustafson to regress and how much? I would say a little bit. Um, he still has a
0: 920 save percentage, though, just in 66 games in his career. So... Um, yeah. uh, the other thing, too, is I, I did make note here. He had a 919 PK save percentage. That's the highest in the NHL among regular starters last year. So anyone that follows advanced stats knows that 860 is, is sort of the PK save percentage average in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And so that number will regress. Like, I, I can see him being closer to his career average of, of say, 920 or 919
1: or something as opposed to
0: mm-hmm. 931.
1: Right. But I think he's still going to okay. be solid, right? Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is one of those tandems where you can roster both goalies and be okay with it and not having to pick up a third guy or drop one of them midway through the season. So I guess strategically, and and
0: Bruce, I'll throw this to you as well, but are you going, are you going to try and handcuff one goal, like the tandem or are you, are you just going to target one guy and, and go with it? Bruce, I'll go to you first.
2: I'm going to see how the draft goes. I think Gustafson would be the first one that I would, I would go after. But I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go and reach for him. There might be some people in these in our drafts that might reach for Flurry still, thinking that he's, he's going to be that starting goalie. But I would lean more towards Gustafson. I if he's if Flurry's available after Gustafson, I would try it. Just to
0: try and secure. The I think starts. that. Yep.
2: You got a lot of flurry fans out there and I think that could be a that could be a tough handcuff to to do.
1: Yeah. Jason, how are you approaching that? Uh only if I have a snake pick and it's the middle to late rounds. Okay. Um otherwise I'd just avoid the situation altogether. Same with any 1A 1B tandem really where like old Mark Swayman, I just hopefully from a fantasy standpoint I'd rather go for a workhorse.
0: I'm with you a thousand percent. I got lucky last year and I just took Allmark in the last round of our draft. Um (laughs) thinking, you know what? He was there. Like I'll get 50% of the Bruins starts. This is fine. And then he crushed it all year. So that was,
2: you better have won your league.
0: Um, I don't know if I did in that one. Hey Bruce, I think that was in our Yahoo league.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, you ended, you ended up below me in that one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That one didn't work out so well, but I won the other one. So that's a great pick. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, are you, are you just avoiding that tandem in Minnesota altogether? Or how do you, uh, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think, I think I'd do the same thing as Jason.
0: You want that workhorse?
3: Yeah. yeah. If I can if I can get him and hopefully get him a little bit later. Cool.
0: All right. Uh, let's move on to Nashville here then. 42, 32, and 8. They're fifth in the central. Goals for 2.72 was 28th. Uh, goals against was 2.88, which is 21st. Corsi 47.52, was 24th in the NHL, and then special teams were 27th on the power play at 17.6%, and actually 6th on the penalty kill at 82.55%. They've got nine back-to-back sets this season, tied for third fewest with Arizona and Vancouver. 24% of their games are played on light days, the third fewest among all NHL clubs this upcoming season. Key additions, Ryan O'Reilly, Gustav Nyquist, Luke Shen, some key departures here. We talked about uh, earlier this summer was Matthew Shane in that buyout. Ryan Johansson, that traded to Colorado and Matthias Secom obviously back in the spring with Edmonton. Jason, I'll go to you first here. Did this team improve in the offseason or decline?
1: Uh, I'd say yes, because you're going to play a completely different style. Um, I think the style they're going to play under Andrew Brunette is going to be more offensively oriented. And I think that's how most successful teams in the league's, in this league play nowadays. So I don't know if they're any better on paper, but I think their style is better in terms of trying to win in the modern day league. I, I think the days where like bear trust behind the bench and then playing like defensive hockey, I think that's kind of over, but I mean, the jets would argue against you, but <laughs> I kind of like where this team's trending. Okay. Uh, Tyler, I want to get your thoughts on Nashville. I know we talked about
0: him a few weeks ago, but did they improve for your money this off season?
3: I I don't know that they improved. Um I think they're gonna be kind of just a, a middle of the road team. I do like Ryan O'Reilly being there. Um I guess I like Luke Shen being there. I like that Matt Duchesne isn't there anymore. <laughs> 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 uh but I don't I don't know that they're actually gonna be yeah. that much better than they yeah. were I I, I think, think they're just stylistically. Yeah, yeah. Stylistically, they're definitely different, and they're probably in a better cap position going forward. Uh, but I don't expect them to do a whole lot next year.
0: Uh, you know what? I did want to talk about Ryan O'Reilly first, just because I, I do like Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's been he's been a, a quality fantasy asset at times. Obviously, he struggled last year in Toronto, right? He just didn't get the same deployment, and um, but I I mean, Jason, I think we see him here getting first line center and and first power play
1: unit deployment. Is that your viewpoint or do you see it differently? Um, I think the Nashville method has always been to go by committee. So I think by name Ryan O'Reilly will be the first center but I think he's the matchup guy. I think in offensive zone situations he might not be Andrew Brunette's first choice. Uh, maybe on the power play he'll go out and win faceoffs. But he's his profile has changed I think over the last two years and I don't know if that's permanent. I don't know if I'm not sure if coming into the season he's going to just focus more on offense because he's gotten that opportunity, or he if he's just going to be the same two way defensive center uh, that we've seen. But I, I do think 50 to 60 points is reasonable. Um, it just depends on how they're going to use him. The only thing about O'Reilly is that his shooting rate is never really high, right? And I and I don't think that's going to increase anytime soon. I think he's just going to keep dishing Forsberg Pucks as often as he can.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it. I, we've, we've got him here for 24 goals and 63 points. Um, again, just based on our expectation that he plays some of those more premium games. Yeah, minutes. yeah.
1: I'd probably take the under on the goals, but I wouldn't be surprised if he scored for more than 63 points. Okay. Just a lot of assists.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, let's stop b- Take that Ryan Johansson part.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. Not many goals,
2: lots of assists.
0: Uh, Johansson 2.0. Uh, let's go to Philip for Philip Forsberg next. Cause you'd mentioned him. Okay. Uh, projection yeah. for him, 37 goals and 80 points. Um, was 2021, 2022 an outlier season for Philip for for Forsberg with 42 goals, uh, and 84 points in, that was in sixty-nine games. It was actually a hundred point. Pace. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think that whole team was an outlier. Yeah. I think that's why Johansson and Duchesne ended up being bought out because, um, That was just unrealistic to follow up. Yeah. And I think Forsberg is not a 100-point player, but I think he is a point-per-game player. Um, He can only reach 100 points if he's playing with like another elite offensive player, which he's not. Right. And I think given the fact that the Preds may want to skew younger, I really wonder how much ice time he's going to get, even though he is by far their best player, in my opinion, other than Roman Yossi. Yeah, I think Roman Yossi is still tops on that team for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: One thing I did note was that Forsberg's power play shooting percentage was down last year. He was at ten percent, mm-hmm. uh, I think, on forty shots, compared to his three-year average of thirteen and a half percent. So a bit a bit mm-hmm. of room for some positive regression there. Um, yeah. And then I think too, like he will see just more time on ice in all situations, given that Duchesne and Johansson are gone. Right. They've they've got a lot of young talent mm-hmm. here,
1: but I mean, he's still going to be the guy that's going to be driving the, the offensive engine. Yeah, yeah. So the Preds are I never find are a good fantasy option other than Yossi and uh Saros. Um <laughs> but I am interested in some of their younger players. Um like Tommy Novak, I'm a big fan of. I'm I'm wondering what he does, and, and Luca Evangelista, I wonder what he's gonna do with as a follow up because he was pretty good in, in that twenty-four game he st- he had last year. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was. And, and and Novak too. I mean, he had uh forty-three points and seventeen goals um last season, a sixty nine point pace. Yeah. So he did quite well. I, I know I picked him up down the stretch too. He was he was great. Same. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Really Talk about a late bloomer though, eh? So yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh twenty-five goals and sixty-four
1: points. Does that seem realistic for next season? I like Novak and I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm putting that out there right now. So I do like that. Um just one thing to note is that Tommy Novak starting the offensive zone, I think, like 73% of the time. Yeah. And I think with Ryan O'Reilly there, that's why I was a little hesitant on the point projection, because I think O'Reilly hard match on the defensive side and then Novak hard match on the offensive side. And not that that doesn't mean O'Reilly won't score points. Like if you remember the Canucks did it with Kessler and Sedin, where Kessler took a lot of the defensive zone draws and he, he scored like 40 something goals and won the Selke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it can happen. Yeah.
0: Um. All right. Roman Yossi, we've mentioned him a couple times projection for him is 21 goals and 79 points. I don't know that we
1: see another 96 point season from Roman Yossi, but I I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean that, like as you said, that that outlier season definitely boosted everyone's numbers, but a point per game defenseman is still top tier. You're, you're not going to find many of those. Yeah. Um, the only thing is we'll just have to see how committed to offensive hockey. They really are because if they are going to run and gun, then maybe Yossi surprises to the upside. Um, if not, He's still baseline, one of the best shooters, for or defenseman, and he's going to rack up the points in power play too. Okay. Uh,
0: Jason, I want to get your thoughts on Tyson Berry and Tyler Ears as well because I, for me next year, I, I don't think it looks good for Tyson Berry. Like, you've got Roman Yossi there. You know he's going to be your power play quarterback. Um, when Yossi and Berry were both in the lineup, I think Berry only played a minute 27 on the power play, so 37.5% mm-hmm. power, uh, power play share. Obviously, he he stepped into that role when Yossi was out. But I think like his role in, in Edmonton and in lots of markets has been he's a 3rd pairings power play specialist. And, you know, Nashville has Luke Shen there, and they've got a couple other options to play in the top four. So the only thing is, does Dante Fabro play ahead of Tyson Berry? Or does, you know, so I think his deployment is going to be limited. I've only got him for nine goals and 39 points next year. Uh, Jason, I'll go to you first. Do you like the projection? How do you see Tyson Berry? And then Tyler will go to you.
1: Um, for Barry I'd probably go the under Um, I'm with you on the logic I don't think the Preds have a lot of use for him at even strength and on the power play Roman Yossi I think more often than not might play the full two minutes I mean Barry will mop up whatever minutes that Yossi can't play and Barry's just kind of like outlived his use at every stop like in Edmonton I think they got rid of him because they realized Bouchard was the guy and, and better and comes into Nashville and Yossi's already there and he's clearly better. So I think Barry could score points, but I just, I'm not bullish on him. I'd probably leave him off my draft board. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Tyler, what do you think? Uh,
3: I think the same thing. I think I, if I did draft him, it would be really, really late. And then it would just be kind of filling out the bottom end of a defenseman that could get some points. I don't think that he's going to, unless Yossi misses a bunch of time. I think he's probably going to lose another step. Um, I think we've seen in Edmonton, um, just how slow his feet were getting to pucks. And if you're not playing on the power play, I don't know how much offense he's actually going to generate. He's not really good defending. Um, so I'm not sure how he's going to get the puck going back up the ice when he's on the ice too. So, um, I would probably leave them depending on how my draft goes. If Devin takes everybody that I had lined up before me, uh, then I might just to reach. But uh, I, I'm just not really interested.
0: Okay, totally fair. And, and Bruce, any difference of opinion there?
2: No, I'm not touching them. <laughs> I'm not touching them.
0: Cut and dry. Love it. Uh, what do you guys think about Luke Shen? Because that guy is an absolute monster when it comes to bash categories. or so blocks, shots, hits. Um, 497 block shots, shots on goal, and hits last year. Um, I think, what did I put him, sixth? Yeah, that was sixth in, amongst all NHL defensemen last year. So not a ton of offense, right? Like, if you get 30 points from Shen, you're, you're dancing. Um, but those other categories he covers really well. 318 hits, 4.54 hits per game last year. Uh, Jason, do you any interest in Luke Shen, um, or is that just sort of a a, a late round deep league option? Uh,
1: Banger league, he has a ton of value um, just for the blocked and shot or blocked shots and hits. Uh, in regards to points, it depends on who he plays with. So he had a lot of points playing with Quinn Hughes because he basically passed it to Quinn in the defensive zone, and Quinn <laughs> went up the ice. And yeah. so if Shen's playing with Yosi and the same thing happens, yeah, he could get a lot of points. It's just a bonus, as you said, um, for, for banger leagues, he's a stud. I I think the blocks and hits are are really, really valuable. I
0: didn't really flesh this out, but just being that it is sort of a rebuilding team, is it possible we see more hits and blocks from him this coming season as he spends more time in the defensive zone?
1: Uh, it could be. I mean, if the, if the Preds are committed to playing faster, and that could, in turn, mean more turnovers. I mean, they could get him to their own zone. And and I think Luke Shen, his M.O. has always been to just block shots. So I think stylistically it may, may be a difference maker, but he's going to collect his block shots either way. For sure.
0: All right. Uh, and then let's just talk really quickly about UC Soros. Obviously a workhorse there in Nashville. I've got him here for 65 starts, 79% net share, and 32 wins for next season. Jason, what do you think?
1: I think that's fair. I think if there's any goalie who might get 70 starts, it might be Saros. <laughs> but I, I think any coach who starts his goalie 70 games is crazy. That's a lot. Um, but he's a workhorse. Uh, just unfortunately a really good goalie on a really, not mediocre, but a middle-of-the-road team. So the wins are going to be harder to come by, but the save percentage I expect to be really good. Um, the saves, if you count that as a category, I think he's going to rack those up. Um, I don't think anyone's a threat to take his job. I don't think Askarov is is there yet. I think they're going to probably play him in the minors to get his feet wet. Um, I really like Saros as a fantasy hockey goalie, as a workhorse.
0: So how early are you taking Saros? Like where does he land in your, your goalie rankings for next season? <laughs>
1: um it depends on how your league is set up cuz some leagues maybe inadvertently just value goals more more uh more highly than than players it, it happens sometimes but saros i'd say probably the 5th to 10th goalie off the board for me okay so somewhere in that range not not because of his individual abilities just the team he plays on okay that's
0: fair Guys, any other thoughts on UC Soros for next year? Nope. <laughs> 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 Nothing. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and then, yeah, Jason, you'd answer my question about Eskaroff uh, as well, because I've got him actually in that dynasty thing okay, yeah, I was yeah, telling yeah. you about it. He's, he's one of my, my prospects. So,
1: um, but yeah. probably, I mean, he's going right. to be really good one day, yeah. just not this season. No, for sure.
0: Okay, let's move on to the St. Louis Blues here, who were 37, 38, and 7, 6th in the Central last year. 10th uh, in Goals for at 3.34, 9th in Goals Against at 2.72. Of course, the 4 percentage was 5th at 52.51. The power play was 6th at 24.52%, and the penalty kill was 17th at 79%. They've got 11 back-to-back sets this season, tied for 5th fewest among all NHL clubs. 32% of their games are played on light days, uh, the 7th lowest for next season. Their key additions were Kevin Hayes, Oscar Sundquist, uh, really no key departures,
1: Jason, do you like what this team did in the offseason? Uh, I do like it. Yeah. I think the blues have improved if only because they really, really underperformed last year. Like he, across a lot of the key metrics, they were top ten. I think the one thing that really killed them was Jordan Bennington. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if, if Jordan Bennington can keep his head on straight and you know worry about stopping pucks and not punching people, I think they could be a really good team. Um, that's just a really big if for me. So they're not going to be a good team, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I I think they could surprise you the upside, but they should be definitely a lot better than they were last year. I I agree. I think they'll be better. Uh, I, I let's let's start with
0: Jordan Bennington because there's a couple interesting things with him. He's actually uh-huh. his save percentage has declined since he entered the league. Yeah. Like so, he came in had a nine twenty seven save percentage, wins the Stanley Cup, and it has gone down every single season since then. The only real silver lining I can see for him is that the PK should be better. They were ranked thirtieth last year, right? Like so, mm-hmm. that's obviously not um, that's not great. I think I got that wrong at the start here, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, seventy two point three five percent was what I had for the PK, and for Bennington he was at eight twenty five on the penalty kill which mm-hmm. he, yes. he's never been below 857, and again, below the league average of 860. So there's some significant regression that could happen there for him. Um, the only other thing I, I kind of considered was if your league counts wins heavily, which like Tyler, mm-hmm. our ESPN league, I think you get five points for a goalie win. A guy like Bennington, I think still has some value because they may improve their standings for next year, and, and he could have some value that way. But I mean, the peripherals, I'm not really that interested
1: yeah, I mean, you could point to the St. Louis defense that wasn't very good last year. Like there were times where they really hung Bennington out to dry, but he also just didn't make the saves that he needed to sometimes. And so Bennington kind of reminds me of uh, Matt Murray and Cam Ward, where they come in, you know, win a cup right away, and it just kind of goes downhill from there. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm not high on Bennington. I, I'd ra- I'd rather. I think just even avoid Bennington and, and see if I could pick up a goalie off Way the Rivers uh, during the season rather than go with Bennington. Um, he just like really Joel scares Hopper? me.
2: Yeah, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I love Joel yeah. Holfer. So
1: he's a guy <laughs> I think who'd by the end of the season, I don't know, but we might be looking at a 50 50 split.
2: I think it'll be more than that in favor of him by that. I don't. Okay. I I'm, mean, Joel i I was on the Binnington train for a number of years, and this year I will not even go near him. Not even close. <laughs> yeah. Will Joel run, will,
1: yeah. Joel Holfer Yeah. Joel is a winner, like WHL yeah. champion, World Junior champion, AHL All Star, um, and he he like fits the mold of the modern day goalie. Like he's like six foot five or something like that.
0: Yeah. No. He he's looked great. Um. And I I agree with you, Bruce. And I I've I've seen Bruce get burned firsthand by Jordan Binnington. So I. I <laughs> I, I right Nobody sale. liked
2: my Carter Hart binnington combo for some reason. I don't know. That's, those are my those were my guys for a number of years. No of well, I
1: mean that, those would be Team Canada's goalies. So that's rough. That's yeah. so rough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Although Hart did do better last year, but yikes. Yeah.
0: I, I still have some time for Carter Hart if he can if he can get moved. Tyler, what do you think? Because I know we've talked about this before. Um AA, I know you don't like Bennington, right? You don't have time for his his Antics either, but um, what do you think about Carter Hurt? Could he could he be a valuable piece somewhere else?
3: Absolutely. I would. I would. He absolutely would be anywhere else. It's too bad. Like I think he kind of got rushed into it, and he's super young still. Uh, but there was obviously flashes there. Um, I think not playing for uh, Philadelphia, where goalies kind of go, go to die. <laughs> Would uh yeah. would definitely be better for them. So okay.
2: Well they they seem to waste their goaltending. They have good goaltenders and then they just seem to waste it, then they trade them away, then they do well.
0: Yeah.
3: That's why I'm surprised they haven't traded them yet, because they're obviously going in a kind of rebuild direction. They're not going to be competitive for a while. Um they could get a lot for them right now, but I guess we'll see.
2: I want to see how it plays out, right? Because they've got three guys signed now. They've got uh, Pedersen from LA. And the other kid they signed to a contract here too, that played Bennington last year, or not Bennington with Hart last year. So, it'll be interesting to see all that and that shakes out.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Well, and to your point, Tyler, like they really they want to be competitive when Michkov is is there, right? So it's in two years,
1: right? Realistically, it's probably yeah. two years before they get him. I think it's three more is it years. Three? Okay. Yeah, something something along those lines. But I mean Meechkov coming is not going to make him a contender right away, right? Like no. Meechkov's gonna need a couple seasons as well. Yeah. So they're
0: they're just but that's the window, right? They don't care for the next yeah. two seasons. Like yeah. why waste Carter Hart there? I would I would look to move him. I think he's got more value than that. Um, let's kind of go to defensemen here. I, I want to talk about Justin Falcon. And actually um I, I was this many days old when I figured out that uh he's actually an underrated fantasy defenseman. Um <laughs> Over the past three seasons, he is sixth in total points, 5-on-5 by defensemen. Only Adam Fox, Devin Tays, Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi, and Eric Carlson have more 5-on-5 points the past three years. And then if you look at goals, if you turn your attention to goals 5-on-5, he moves up to third behind only Carlson and Kale McCarr.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: I I don't know if it's because of the lack of name recognition or if he because he plays on the Blues, but he's the guy that gets never he never gets drafted and then ends up being rostered by the end of the year because people realize that he's he's got great category coverage, and he's not half bad on defense. And I can see it happening. Um, I don't think Tori Krug is really going to bounce back. (laughs) Um, And and. yeah, and honestly, I think Colton Pareko's kind of fallen off a cliff as well. So who else are you going to play? It's just Justin Justin Falk. That's it. Yeah. And if you look back to his Carolina days, like he was averaging over 200 shots a season, yeah. like easily too. Yeah. Actually, Tyler, when when I first joined that ESPN league of ours, uh,
0: Justin Falk, I think was on my my first team, and so I had him for a couple years because he was great. You're, you're right, Jason. Like he had good shot volume. He actually put up some decent points. Um, he fell off a map uh, off the map for a bit, but. Yeah, he's a player I'm actually interested in for, for next year um, in, in St. Louis. And I think he's playing, like, over 23 and a half minutes. Like, these, like you said, and if the other two guys fall off a cliff too here, lots of value to be had to Justin Falk. Yeah. Uh, we've got him for 11 goals and
1: 46 points. Do you like the over-under on that one for next year? Uh, I think that's about right. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes over. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe a little under on the goals, but I think 40 or 50 points is really fair for Justin Falk. And then just because you mentioned him, I've got Tory
0: Krug at nine goals and 44 points. Do you, you taking the under? Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: probably taking the under <laughs> on that one. I, yeah. I'm i just not confident in Tory Krug. Like after he nicks that trade to Philadelphia, he's got to really prove that, you know, that he's worth staying or worth keeping in St. Louis. And not that it's his fault. He doesn't want to go to Philly. It's just, I think that's some added pressure. They got Kevin Hayes anyway, but... Well,
0: so that seems like a good segue. Let's talk about Kevin Hayes because he he did really well, actually. In the first 33 games, 30 points, 9 goals, he played at a 75-point pace and then Torts benched him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what the message was. I'm not sure what, what exchange occurred there, but after that, he had 25 points and 9 goals in 50 games, so just a 41-point pace for the remainder of the season. Um, now, the, the catch with him is that it's a fresh start but he's probably getting third-line deployment, right? He's going to get some easier matchups, but he's definitely not going to play with the same uh, caliber that he would in the the top six. So, uh, Jason, for you, I've got him here at 16 goals and 46 points. How do you see Kevin Hayes for next year? Uh,
1: I think that's fair. He's definitely not a 75-point player to me, but so he's somewhere in between like 75 points and, and 41 points, so I think that's fair. Um, I would be really interested to see how the Blues use him because a lot of teams actually just stack two centers on one line now. Mm -hmm. And the Blues don't have a lot of centers, so maybe they don't do it. But, I mean, maybe in certain cases they stack Shen and Hayes on the same line, so maybe that'll give Hayes some more offensive opportunities. Um, We've seen other teams do this, but I think he's a lower, uh, lower in the draft sort of points guy. Um, maybe some face-offs from the wing position if you guys do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not huge on his offensive game. Okay. Fair
0: enough. Uh, Bruce, you're like this one. I want to talk about Jacob Verana for a minute. Projection for him is 30 goals and 56 points. His most productive season came in 2019-2020 as a member of the Capitals. He had 52 points and 25 goals. Um, but he's had a lot of issues, right, since then? And
2: (laughs) His issues have had issues for the past couple of seasons.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I found it really interesting because he's ranked 19th league-wide the past three years with a 2.73 points per 60. So just behind Matthew Kachuk and ahead of both Artemi Panarin and Steven Stamkos. Um, So that's some pretty elite company when you look at points per 60 over the past three seasons.
2: Yeah. Oh, and he's been on the ice, he's been productive, but the thing is he hasn't been on the ice. He's had so many off ice issues, it's been hard to get him on the ice. His last like his end of season audition with the blues last year once Detroit traded him, he did well. Mm-hmm. He did, he did quite well, but again, he has to be on the ice. So so far it sounds like he's going to be on the ice at the beginning of the season. So I Fingers I'm crossed. gonna draft him. He'll be a it'll be a later round for me, but I'll I'll definitely draft him.
0: So Bruce, you went Last year on average at 187, um, across Yahoo and ESPN. Are, are you taking them a yeah. little bit earlier, a little bit later?
2: I'm probably would, uh, well, he went early last year
0: in some leagues, right? It, yeah,
2: yeah, in some leagues he went really early and I wasn't willing to take him that early. So, uh, well, it's what's so 187. Yeah, it's not too bad. I wouldn't, I'd do that. That's in the range for you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jason, do you see him getting, like, he should get top six, but do you see him on the top power play unit, or is he going to the second power play unit?
1: I probably think the second power play unit. So, I, I'd probably take the under on the goals, um, just because that's probably based on him playing 82 games, right? <laughs> yeah, these are all 82 game projections, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I'd probably go the under for that. Vrana is one of those players where, like, I'm so terrified of drafting him, unless it's, like, the final pick in my league um, <laughs> where like, I'd rather see how he fares in the first few months before I pick him off waivers. So him and like Robbie Fabry, Anthony Mantha, there's a bunch of guys who are like really, really talented and really yep. can score goals when they play. They just don't play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair point. Uh,
0: Tyler, what do you think about Verona for next year? I,
3: I No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> i like how
1: tyler is always straight to the point yeah it's like, not messing about yeah. there's no bullshit yeah nah. no no nah, not yeah. interested all right
3: i i think that prediction of 30 goals and 56 points was if he played obviously every single game yeah and was a surprise to everybody yeah like, i just don't i don't see it happening
0: i'm just i'm gonna look back at the projections here and just what i had punched in um so that's him averaging 16 minutes time on ice. Uh points per 60 average of 2.6 and 10.1 shots on goal per 60. Uh and then converting at 13.4%. So it came it came out yeah. to yeah, it came out to 29.59 goals and 57.8.
1: If the Blues can get 30 goals from Brana, they're going to be really good.
3: <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's played 82 games once. Yeah. Yeah. And over 70 twice. And more than not, like, less than 40. So. Yep.
0: Yep. I mean, look, there's lots of red flags of the player.
3: Yeah, I think he would be a perfect, like, spot pickup off the waiver wire because I don't think that many people are actually going to take him. I think that's, like, kind of a strategic pickup.
0: He'd be a late round... right like if i can get him in in the late rounds of the draft because i think there's some potential there i just i think i find his his rate stats really interesting that's all yeah
2: he just has to play like he's what injury was the first thing that derailed him his first year in detroit and then his off ice issues the next year and when he played when he when he was given opportunity in the top six he produced so that's yeah i base mine on like every chance I got him, I could I picked him up because when he plays he he produces
1: it's also a he bit is. of a crowded top 6 middle 6 for the blues too though so
0: yeah uh okay so speaking of that top 6 let's let's talk about uh, Pavel Buchnevich who Tyler I know you're a fan of that player Yep, he's nodding. Okay, uh, <laughs> got him projected for thirty goals and eighty-three points for next year. But I mean, he does look like he's uh, he's due for some regression compared to to last season. Uh, his even team's even strength shooting percentage, his individual shooting percentage, uh, and his power play shooting percentage were all inflated last year. So twelve point three team even strength shooting percentage, twenty-one point one ish. Bruce. Um, you know th- nice. there's there's some levels of concern there so I mean i I've got him at thirty goals and eighty three points Jason do you like the projection or are you taking the under? I
1: love Buknevich. i think <laughs> I think he's a really underrated player um I think a lot of his production will depend on if he plays power play one uh I think he will yep. um he's also very good at five on five so even if he doesn't get the power play time, you think he might. Um, over the past three seasons, I think he has more five on five points than like some of the top players like Barkov, uh, Rupe Hintz, I think is one of of the other ones. Um, there are some red flags, as you pointed out with the inflated, um, percentages, um, but he doesn't have the same name recognition. So I feel like if you can get him outside the top 75, that's a great value pick, uh, for potential point per game player. I was literally just thinking to myself,
0: he doesn't have the name recognition. He's one of those players that seems to slip by everybody. And I'm I'm going to look back at our drafts, Bruce and Tyler, and see just where he went, because I I can guarantee it went outside the top top 90, probably even. Most likely. All right. Uh, Bruce, what do you think about that projection?
2: I like it. He's got to stay healthy, though. He had injury issues last year, too. Yeah. 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 He can stay healthy. I like it.
1: Actually, also, one more thing about Bukinevich is they kind of played him at center for a few games down the stretch. I wonder if they're going to do that again this year. So if you guys have like individual positions, maybe he's one of those players that has triple position eligibility, which would be useful. Um, His faceoff wins percentages aren't very good, but I I think he fits that mold of the St. Louis player, and I think he's going to have a really good season. All right. Perfect. Uh, I
0: think we've probably adequately covered the Blues here, unless you guys want to talk about anybody else here. I I guess we can throw out the Jordan Kairou uh, projection to 38 goals and 80 points. Does that seem in the ballpark?
1: I think that's fair. I I think as long as he maintains that shot volume, I think that's really doable.
0: Well, And and elite-level shot volume
1: at 11.5. Incredible shot volume, yeah. 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 No, he's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... uh, they're just don't count on a good plus minus like he's a very one dimensional <laughs> player to me. That's okay. Sometimes yeah. you just take that. But but I mean if you can get Kairu and Thomas, Robert Thomas on like a snake pick back to back, I think that's a pretty good combo to have. Sure. One um cuz you got your goals, your shots and your assists covered. Yeah, you
0: sure do. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas doesn't do yeah. any of the first two you mentioned, but <laughs> no, no, he doesn't.
1: He's got the Alex Wemberg syndrome where he doesn't shoot at all. Oh man, it's
0: rough. But you know, he was really good. Um, was that last year or the year before, Bruce? Yeah. Uh, down the stretch, like the second half of the season, he was he was really he, he won people some of their leagues, he, like myself included. Year before, year before,
2: that was the year before. Yeah,
0: he was literally he was unstoppable. I can't remember how many points he had down the yeah. stretch there, but it was nuts.
2: Lots. Uh,
0: so for him, I've got 20 goals and 77 points for this year. Yeah,
1: that's that's fair to me.
0: All right, uh, let's move on to the Winnipeg Jets because I know Tyler's just dying to talk about Connor Hellebuck. Uh, loves him some Connor <laughs> Hellebuck.
3: I hate the Jets.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about how great they were 46, 33, and 3. They're fourth in the Central. Uh, seventh at goals for 3.43, 3. excuse me. Uh, third in goals against 2.62. Course 4 was 8th at 52.02. The power play was 5th at 25%, and the penalty kill was 3rd at 83.47%. They've got 8 back-to-back sets this season, tied for 3rd few with Calgary, Colorado, and Florida. Again, Connor Hallibuck is going to be an absolute workhorse with a limited number of back-to-back sets. Uh, 35% of their games are played on light days, which is tied for the 8th most with Seattle and Vancouver. Key additions, Alex I follow, Gabriel Vlardi, Laurent Brassois, and then departures were Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Jason is going to ask you, did, the, did this team improve? And did you like the PLD trade?
1: I'm going to say no, they did not improve. Um, I'm a, I am think Dubois is a really great player. Um, I don't know if he's like eight and a half million good, but he's really good. Um, I like what they got from the Jets or the Kings uh, because they got three players who are ready to play right away. These aren't players who you're crossing your fingers with. It just depends on how they progress. So we kind of know what Alex Aya follows about. Gabe Villardis the big one. Like, did he really have a breakout season or did he have an outlier season because he was playing with on a pretty good team with good line mates? Um, And just three years from now, I like half that roster is probably going to be gone. So I think this is one of those things where they play it by year. You don't know where Shifley and Hellebuck are going to play, be playing two years from now. I, I think the Jets is just going to be trending down until further notice, until a Perfetti or, or a Velardi somehow pulls this team up to the to the heights where they were before.
0: I, I can buy it on that. Yeah, I, I think I, I actually said I didn't really love the the trade for um, for LA. Like I think that they did. Winnipeg did a a nice job moving a player that didn't want to be there and getting some players, like you said, that are ready to play. Um, I I think Vellardi and Tyler, we've talked about this. I I think Vellardi can be an impact player um, if he can stay healthy. And if he gets that opportunity to play with Kyle Connor and kind of fill in on that second line center role, um, I'm interested to see what happens. Okay. So let's actually, let's talk about Kyle Connor. That's the first guy I had here on the list projected for 44 goals and 85 points. He had his worst individual shooting percentage at 11.7%. This uh, And that was his worst since his rookie season when he shot 8.3%. Can he, I mean, Jason, can he get to 44 goals? Would you take the over or the under? Uh,
1: I would take the over, but cautiously. I think 44 goals is a good, good number. I, I find it hard to take the over or under on that one. I just have to say Kyle Connor was just an awful hole to have at the late season, (laughs) late last season. The entire Jets team was just so bad. Um, I think Kyle Connor is one of those players that will get the goals and the shots, no matter who he really plays with. Um, Obviously, Shifley being there helps, but I do like Kyle Connor as a top five left winger.
0: Yeah, I I like Kyle Connor too. I've had him uh, a couple different seasons and, He's always been great. One thing I found really interesting when I was looking at this today, he played at a 99 point pace in the first 44 games of the season, and then dropped off a cliff in the second half. He was what uh, <laughs> 60, yeah. 60 points, um, 60 point pace over the next yeah. number of games, but um, not good. And, and like you said, the whole Jets team. Like I traded for Hellebuck, and then and then he just hit a skid for the next like two months, <laughs> and it was like, what is this?
1: I traded for Josh Morrissey, and I had. Connor and um, Hellebuck on my team. So (laughs) I was very (laughs) frustrated.
0: No kidding. Uh, Maybe let's go there next. Let's talk about Josh Morrissey because Mm. Tyler, you and I have talked about him before and I still, in my mind, Josh Morrissey is just not an elite offensive defenseman. I've always wanted more from that guy, but what do you think?
3: I I think last season was an outlier. I think your projection here of 12 goals and 57 points is probably still a little bit high. I think everything went kind of right for him yeah. last season. yeah. I don't think that's going to happen again.
0: Well, and that was the thing. I All the underlying luck metrics that we look at, I think all five were were super inflated for him. So mm-hmm. he's, he's going to regress. It's just a matter of how much, right?
1: So uh, Jason, what do you think? 12 goals, 57 points for Morrissey. I think that's fair, and I'm tempted to take the under on that one because I think he's in for like a hard regression. Um, if you look at his back half so since march 1st they played 17 games the stats don't look bad but it should be noted that in 10 of those final 17 games he didn't score a single point so his points came in bunches and that was kind of the jets offenses in in a nutshell where like there'd be nights where they were completely listless and had no idea what they're doing and then other nights they look like a really well-oiled machine right um, but I don't think Morrissey's that top tier defenseman you're looking for in fantasy. On my list, even just based on how what he did last year, actually have him just inside the top twenty. I mean, I just wouldn't probably waste a pick on him in the middle rounds anyway. I'm with you, uh, Bruce. Anything? Yeah, I'd let someone else take with take him instead for for sure. Yeah. For sure, now, Bruce. What do you think about Morrissey?
2: Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not taking him. I'm just. <laughs> Nope. It's
1: someone else's headache, right? Yep, It's not doing it.
2: No, I'd probably, I'd probably, if I was targeting a player, I would probably go for Pionk more than I would go for Morrissey. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, Pionk's definitely got better category coverage. Um, like he can be counted on for for hits and for blocks and pem's and um, not as much offense. Obviously, the thing that made it really interesting with those two players is they used to split power play time. Like it was always which guy do you yeah. take because they're kind of splitting power play time. And and then Pionk actually took it for a while. There was a stretch, I think, in the first half of last season or the season before where Pionk was starting, uh, I guess, with the season before. So, yeah, they've always been really frustrating to me, those two. Um, Okay, Gabe Villardi, Let's talk about him really quick. So my projection here, our projection is 26 goals and 67 points. Uh, He played a career-high 1536 for the Kings in 2022-2023. I mean, I I think he's going to play more minutes for sure, and even strength, and probably gets a, a role in the second power play unit. Um, if I go look at my projections here, like I've got him at 17 and a half minutes for next year. Does that seem, like, is that a reasonable assumption that he plays 17 to 18 minutes?
1: I think that's reasonable, yeah.
0: Okay, so with that 26 goals, 67 points, am I am I dreaming? Do I have my
1: rose, or my am
0: I dreaming in Technicolor, as Tyler would say?
1: <laughs> I, I think that's <laughs> a little high. I think the time on ice is pretty spot on. I think the point projection is a little high just because I'm, I'm really curious. Like he had such a good season and then you take him out of that situation into a brand new situation again. Like, is he going to take time to adjust? He has a new role. Who's he going to play with? Um, A lot of his points. um, I think Kevin Fiala and, or Andre Kopitar had a hand in it. He's not going to have the same type of help there. He's probably going to be asked to carry one of the scoring lines too. So, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Okay. Um, Tyler,
0: I want to ask you about Mark Shifley because last year was the first season I think he fell below a point per game since 2015-2016 despite shooting a career high 20.5%. So do you you see Shifley getting back to a point per game next year? We've got him here at 33 goals and 82 points.
3: I think he will. The Jets are kind of weird though. They're kind of, you have lame duck coaches, and I think this is kind of a lame duck team because you have Shifley and Hellebuck with one year left who both probably don't want to be there. One for sure doesn't want to be there. <laughs> and until until they're re-signed, it's kind of like what direction is the team actually going to go in? So I think I, think I would still draft him, obviously. Um, I still think that he would... Be close to that point per game, but I think it's going to be spread across two different teams through next season. Interesting. Okay.
0: Um. All right, and then let's move on to Nikolai Ehlers here quickly, because I, Tyler, I, I know, I think you're a fan of Ehlers.
3: Uh, yeah, just when you had them, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well. <laughs>
0: Uh, I I think he's in for a big year. I think he's finally, and and you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's never been deployed as a top-line, top power play guy. I think this is the year that it finally happens. With Wheeler and PLD gone, uh, there's some minutes to be had. So he's got some really impressive rate stats, and I'll just run through those here quickly. He ranked 7th league-wide with an 11.19 shots on goal per 60. He was 3rd in individual course, 4 per 60 at 21.32, and 8th in individual uh, scoring chances, 4 per 60. And despite all of that, um, he was ranked just ninth in, the, in power play time on ice per game and 12th in even strength time on ice per game uh, this past season. So he just needs some ice time. Just let the guy play, put him with some good line mates, and he should produce. So 37 goals, 79 points. Jason, am I off my rocker,
1: or what's your take on Ehlers? No, but you should send all the notes you have on him and send it to Rick Bonus. <laughs> Absolutely. Because Rick Bonus is going to find some weird reason not to play this guy. He had no reason not to play him last year. And my fear is that he's going to look at I follow and Villard and be like, hey, these guys are better than Ehlers. I'm going to give them all the ice time that, oh. that Wheeler and, and Dubois <laughs> left behind. So I, I like Ehlers as a player. I think he's a fantastic real-life hockey player. For fantasy, like... In ter- other than just evaluating a player and what he does, you have to understand what the coaches do with these players. Um, So like Sebastian Alha has a great player, but he's never going to score a hundred points because the Canes don't play that way. Yeah. Ehlers has, I think 90 point, per tra- point potential, but is he ever going to get there? I kind of doubt it with Rick bonus though there. So Fair. Um, I like the projections if he gets that ice time, if not, and I'm skeptical that he'll get the ice time, I'm kind of staying away. I've been burned by Ehlers too many times. I agree with you. I've been I'm screaming at my TV yeah. to just like,
2: where's Ehlers?
1: <laughs> where's Ehlers? I'm going crazy. I can't have him on fantasy team.
0: He's there.
2: in the press box, another injury. Well,
0: yeah. that's and, and health has been an issue with him too. But I, I And I've been burned by him as well. But I, I'm kind of, I am i don't know, glutton for punishment maybe. I'm going to go back to the well this year and see if something changes. Um, the, the projection. <laughs> the definition of insanity. The definition of insanity. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Uh, I've got it. Like the assumption is 19 minutes time on ice for next year. I hope so. I really hope so
1: for, for
0: both everyone's sake and the jet's sake. All right, Tyler, any like, what, what, what do you think? Is that, is that a dumb take or what's your thoughts?
3: No, but I think, I think you give it a shot this year. If he doesn't do it, you better just (laughs) not do it next year.
1: (laughs) So, so the thing with Ehlers too, is like once people realize he doesn't get the ice time, he doesn't have much fantasy trade value that's right right yeah no
0: oh trust me you i you can you i tried. can
1: do all these like advanced stats all you want and, and pump, pump them up but people are gonna look at his raw stats and be like no
0: yeah this isn't that it. no it's not there for sure
2: i should know he tried trading them to me
0: i did i, I tried moving <laughs> healers last year it wasn't happening so it's, I'm like it's, it's impossible
1: <laughs> i tried doing the same thing it's impossible
0: and as i recall bruce i actually threw some pretty good players at you to try and take healers off my. my yeah. Brain. Right. You did. Yeah. I did. Not, I, I don't remember what I sent you, but I feel like it was pretty good.
2: Probably. See, yeah, they, la- they, they lasted an extra week on the, before you put them onto the waiver wire.
1: <laughs> so this is the problem with healers. Uh, He's a great player, but you're packaging him as like the side piece to get rid of him. Yeah. Like that's his fantasy value. Then that, that doesn't really work for me for sure. As good as he is. Um, all right. And the other guy we've talked about him a, a bit here, Connor Hellebuck
0: another workhorse goaltender the last three seasons he's he's tops in the nhl in games played at 175 and saves at 4,992 um and he still has a 915 save percentage through all of that last year he was really good fourth in goal saved above expected at 30.8 um do you expect
1: 35 wins from him jason next year 65 starts I think he'll get close. Okay. I think it really depends on how well the Jets do, but either way, this guy's a top five fantasy goalie for me. Any chance he gets traded in season? I think so. And, I mean, ideally he goes to, like, a really good team, but I just fail to see which team can actually trade for him right now. And I mean, I at some point I thought the Pens maybe, but after Carlson I don't see it. Right. So... Uh, Bruce, Tyler, any like
0: where? Where's your ideal destination for Connor Hallibock next year?
2: Well, he's going to go somewhere that has cap. If he wants, like, what were they saying, nine million a season or something like that? He's going to go to a team that has cap space, so it's not going to be to a contender.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the irony, right? So,
2: yeah, he, he's going to go somewhere, but it's not going to be to a contender because a contender can't pay him that. Yeah. So if it is, he's a, he's a pure rental and in, in season then. But if they want to resign him, he's not going to be to. A, it's not going to be to a top team. It's going to be to a bottom team, someone that can afford to pay him. Okay.
3: I, I think he's going to go like New Jersey would be a good fit. They do have stuff that they can move to make the money work uh, mm-hmm. in season, and that's a team that could probably figure it out in the off season to resign him. He's too good to just go to somebody who has lots of cap space. Yeah, so I think. I think New Jersey would probably be a good fit or team like that.
1: I think New Jersey would be great. The other team I always wonder about is Detroit. I mean, they always seem to be on everyone. And I think maybe he'd be good there, but we'll see. I'd love him in New Jersey.
3: Yeah. I think Detroit spent all their money on third line centers. So I don't know if they have (laughs) room, room there.
0: True. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, anybody else you guys want to talk about for the Jets? There's a few other ones here, but we don't have to go through them all. Uh,
1: just one question for you guys. Cole Perfetti, do you guys like him or no?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm less certain as to what we should expect.
1: The The projection here is 16 goals and 52 points. Uh-huh. I think that's in line. I just wonder if there's any... Potential to surprise to the upside because I like him as a player. Um, he's clearly the future of the Jets. And if Shifley gets moved, I think he's gonna get a big bump. Um yep. but when Shifley's still there, I'm still not quite sure what to think. Yeah, I obviously I, like the I upside. was gonna say this.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. If Shifley's not there, that's somebody that I'd pick up right away. because uh, I don't think that they'd be trading Shifley for anybody that's gonna play ahead of him. I think it'd mm-hmm. be more more futures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, and then, Jason, I've got some just that'll that'll wrap up the the divisional preview portion of the show. But I wanted to ask you a couple way too early predictions for next season, so we can just do this sort sure. of rapid fire style. You can uh, let me know what you think. Who is going to win the Central Division next season? Colorado. Okay. Uh, who's winning the Stanley Cup?
1: I'm going to say Colorado as well. I really like what they've done this off season. Actually. Okay. Uh, who wins the rocket Richard trophy? Uh, this one was tough, but I'd say McDavid.
0: (laughs) Okay. Not a stretch at all. Uh, who wins the art Ross trophy?
1: Uh, McDavid. (laughs) (laughs) I know I have really, really great answers. No, I mean that,
0: that, these are all great answers. Yes. Yeah. We we love this. This is
1: fantastic. Who wins the Norris next year? Uh, McDavid. (laughs) no, (laughs) Uh, I, I, this one was hard. I picked Miro in. I think he's due. Okay. Uh, Vezna Trophy. Uh, this one was tough too. I was stuck between two goalies, but I went with Ilya Sorokin. Okay. Uh,
0: and the Calder Trophy. Bedard. Probably not a stretch either, but this class does look really intriguing in terms of the Calder Trophy.
1: It's, it's so good. Like, I mean, in McDavid's rookie year, he got injured, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the fear with Bedard. But I can see Adam Fantilli having a good year. Um, a lot of rookies in the right situation could have a really good year. We, this is a really, really great class. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited
0: for next season. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and then going back to Colorado, winning the Stanley Cup, you know, there's a chance too, I guess, that God comes back for the playoffs next year, maybe, right? Like they said, he's out for the
1: entirety of this season. Does that include the playoffs? Well. So I kind of read up on his injury a little bit, and it seems like this is one of those types of injuries where, yes, he's going to sit out the regular season, but the rehab to get back to where he was in game shape is pretty lengthy as well. So okay. I, I don't expect him to be back for the playoffs, but I do like Ducheskin for a full season. I think the Johansson pickup was underrated. I like Drouin. I like Colton. Kill McCarr being healthy is going to be huge. Gorgiev. I think, silenced a lot of doubters last season, mm-hmm. including myself. Me too. So... Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was
0: really surprised they came out and said, this guy's our starter. Like I thought Fran had warranted a, a little bit of credit for what he had done. Yeah. And,
1: yeah, 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 Not at all, so. Yeah, Joe Saki can do no wrong. And not just <laughs> because he's a BC boy and I'm from BC as well, so. No, he's, he's, <laughs>
0: we, love, we love Joe. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Jason, thank you very much for joining us. It was, it was a pleasure meeting you and getting to talk with you for the last hour or so. Um, yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Bruce and Tyler, as well.
2: Yes, thank you. We'll,
0: we'll have to have thank you on you. again uh, at some point throughout the regular season again. Um, let us know things are going with uh, with the hockey news and the, and the new fantasy site. Uh, one more time, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? Or X, if you're calling it that.
1: <laughs> it's still Twitter to me. Uh, you can find me at Jason Chen 16. Um, please visit THN.com slash NHL slash fantasy when you get a chance. And um, The fantasy community has been really, really cool on Twitter, so please connect with any of us at any time. hundred percent. That's one thing I've noticed in doing this for a few years now is just
0: everyone's super welcome and inviting and, and uh, open to helping. So uh, for our listeners too, for us on social media at FH hacks on Twitter, uh, fantasy hockey hacks on Instagram and on threads, and then check out the website, fantasy hockey We're also contributing fantasy content to heavy hockey this year. Lots of great stuff over there, especially if you're an Oilers fan, go check it out. That's gonna do it for another episode, guys. Uh Bruce, Tyler, and Jason, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks. Take care.